Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, will deliver a message in our series about the life of Samuel the prophet. If you would like to follow along with this message, you can do so by turning in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapters 8 through 10. You can also find our weekly message outline and many other resources on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood app. You know, as we sing, I, I, I sure want you to sing, but question the lyrics. As you say them, say, are they true of me? Ask God the questions. Confirm the statements as you speak them, as you sing them. We return to our series, Belonging to God. I hope that you're reflecting on what it means for you to belong to God. In every area, every day, Throughout your life, we understand that Samuel was actually given physically over to Eli at a very young age, the high priest. But he belonged to God emotionally, personally, spiritually throughout his life. And we see it demonstrated in many, many different ways. Today's message is entitled God's Will. And we're going to Reflect on the will of God. Obviously, I can't teach everything about the will of God in one short message. And you say, oh, please, don't lengthen. I will not. Take out your outline if you haven't already. Here's a message. Here's a, a verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, a real popular one. Some of you might have this cross-stitched in your house. Do you? Who does? We have a framed picture of it, I think. It's painted. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Do you believe that verse? Are you, are you sure? Because I want, I, want to, I want you to slow down a minute. Because for you to believe this verse, you're making some huge assumptions. First, this verse can only be true if God is absolutely sovereign. If God, in other words, is in control of all creation. Or, or you, you couldn't have such a verse. If your life is susceptible to fate and chance and circumstances that are out of your control, how could such a verse be true? Do you know the word providence? Well, providence is God carrying out his plans and purposes by ruling over this world. In other words, providence is the practical way that God works out his sovereignty in the world. See, sovereignty is the attribute of God. Providence is the way he displays it, the way he works it in our world and in our lives. Through God's providence, he sustains this world. He not only created it, he keeps it going. 
Through providence, he provides for each of us. For his plan to be carried out, it has to happen through his providence because of his sovereignty. Is this making sense? Your life is not susceptible to luck or chance if you belong to God. Do you believe that? I need a little more affirmation than that. That's a little tentative. God must be sovereign to keep his promises to us and to move his creation toward a predetermined end. You know, we've heard or read that history is cyclical. History is not cyclical. History is linear and it is headed toward a predetermined end. History is indeed his story. Now, a theologian wrote it this way. It's kind of a simple illustration, but helpful. It's like being on a cruise ship. You ever been on a, who's been on a cruise ship before? Most, a lot of people have been on a cruise ship. Lee and I went, Leanne and I went on a cruise ship for our 30th anniversary, not long ago. And so on this cruise ship, we had a few, maybe a couple of thousand of our closest friends. And so on the cruise ship, you have, do you have absolute freedom? No. But you can choose which floor you go on which restaurant you eat in, whether you swim in that little shallow pool, whether you get in the hot tub. I do not recommend getting in that hot tub. I've never seen so much flesh in one circular location before. I've seen, I saw those people pressed in there so deeply that when they got out, you could pour all the water that was left in one 10-ounce cup. Don't tell this, but the only moisture in that tub was sweat from each other. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you. I'm sorry. I have to help you. <laughs> but despite all these luxurious adventures on the cruise ship, you are headed where the boat's headed. Choose the restaurant. Choose the activity. Choose the show. Choose the floor. The ship is headed for port. And it's the same way in our lives. We have some leeway. We have some freedom. But that freedom is headed for a predetermined end. So we're going to see how the, God, how the will of God works. We're going to use the life of Samuel and his interaction with Saul. And Saul, as you know, would be the first selected king of Israel. Now, was Samuel happy when he was asked to provide a king. No. He was uh, angered by it, actually. And in particular, because the elders said that the people wanted a king like all the other nations. It's mentioned several times in chapter 8. And he complained to God about it, and he thought God might would slap somebody down or something, refuse. But God said... They're not rejecting you, Samuel. They're rejecting me. Now give them a king. Chapter 8, verses 21, 22. And then the scripture, beginning in chapter 9, we're on page 230, identifies a likely candidate 
There was a wealthy, influential man named Kish from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Becherath, son of Abiah, Apiah, son of the, of the tribe of Benjamin. I wonder why they describe all this lineage. Because lineage is important for a king. So they describe generations because he needed to be a son of Israel. His son Saul was the most handsome man in Israel. Head and shoulders taller than anyone else in the land. I said this morning, you remind us, remind us all of David Hardy. <laughs> but look what you see here. He looks the part, doesn't he? He, he looks like the person that ought to be the leader for the people. Particularly for a people who are impressed with appearances. We are awful impressed with beautiful people, aren't we? Doesn't matter how vacuous their souls are, how empty their heads are. If their appearance is good, there's no limit to what they can achieve. And if they're willing to post a lot of pictures, and if they have no shame to post certain provocative ones, they can really chart the followers. Let's look closely at it, at that. First, we see that God works through circumstances. Verse 3. One day, Kish's donkeys strayed away. And he told Saul, take the servant with you and go look for the donkeys. So Saul took one of the servants and traveled through the hill country of Ephraim, the, the land of Shalishah, the Shalem area, and the entire land of Benjamin. But they couldn't find the donkeys anywhere. Finally, they entered the region of Zuph, and Saul said to his servant, let's go home. By now, my father will be more worried about us than the donkeys. And it says later on, they were out of food as well. Now, when the donkeys couldn't, weren't found, they ran out of food. Saul wanted to give up. He wanted to go home. But the servant had an idea. And he says at verse 6, I've just thought of something. There's a man of God who lives here in this town. He is held in high honor by all the people because everything he says comes true. Let's go find him. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. Beginning at verse 7, they discuss, well, what will we give him? And they had no food. They didn't have anything of value. The servant says, well, I have some silver. So they said, okay, well, we'll go then. So go to verse 14. So they entered the town. And as they passed through the gates, Samuel was coming out toward them to go up to the place of worship. Coincidence? God used circumstances to bring Saul to Samuel. He arranged this encounter. Can you imagine how unlikely it is to run into someone 
in the day before cell phones or pagers. How many of you that are in that age, like me, remember getting lost? Come on, let me see them. Because your, your mother said, you'll be right here at 7 o'clock. Well, of course you weren't there at 7 o'clock. You didn't have a watch. And your mother's sitting there for three hours. Your father's mad. Anybody ever experienced that? We were downtown Augusta one time. My brother got to go to the music store by himself, loves guitars and all that. Went out the wrong door. Got lost downtown Augusta. We're all in the streets looking for him. Next thing we know, some cops got him locked in behind some glass. He's up there like this, like a prison. I got lost one time, didn't see my parents for three years. Since God is sovereign, he worked providentially to use ordinary, seemingly unrelated situations to carry out his will. And he didn't do it just with Saul. He's doing it with you. Do you think God sent away the donkeys? What do you think? Yeah, God sent the donkeys. Do you think God gave the servant this idea? Yeah. God sent him the idea. See, we go, well, it's that, that's chance. It, no. God's sovereign. He's in control of everything, and he has a plan for your life, as he did Saul's. This was not coincidence. Proverbs 16, 9. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And there's many, many other verses like that. Now, I didn't say that you always knew what God was, is doing. But I will say you can trust him to carry out his plan for your life. And he'll use events and he'll use situations that you're encountering to further your steps. That's what Romans 8.28 means. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Saul went looking for donkeys. And wound up being chosen as Israel's first king. Do you believe God has a plan for your life? I want to see some hands on this one. Now, don't put them up just to make me happy. Do you believe God has a plan? You got to hold this one up a minute. I want to see. God has a particular, specific plan for you the way you should use your life. Be careful of that. That's a dangerous belief. It means you live a certain way. Can you see God guiding your steps according to his plan and purpose. Who, who can see that? You know, I never planned to be a pastor. Somebody says, you want to be a pastor? I said, well, what day is it? <laughs> I don't really think of myself that way because I never wanted to be a pastor. I wanted to be a lawyer. Since the fifth grade, I wanted to be a lawyer. My fifth grade teacher said to me, you argue so much you should be a lawyer. I thought it was a compliment. I was inspired by it. 
fact, when I passed the bar, I called her back. She still remembered me. <laughs> Wonder why. I was awful, but Christians must consider how every incident in their lives furthers God's plan. And God will reveal his plan. When Saul went to Samuel looking for donkeys, Samuel was expecting him. Verse 15. Now the Lord had told Samuel the previous day, about this time tomorrow I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him to be the leader of my people, Israel. Anoint, you know what anoint is, just to to place or to pour oil on someone, olive oil they used. And it symbolized God's authority in that person. God's selection. He will rescue them from the Philistines. For I have looked down on my people in mercy and have heard their cry. The king was referred to as the anointed one. The other name for the king, anointed one, was Messiah, which in Greek is Christ. When Samuel saw Saul, she sells seashells by the seashell. <laughs> the Lord said, that's the man I told you about. He will rule my people. See, God revealed his plan to Samuel. Look at Amos 3. Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. See, God reveals what he's doing so they will see it. And they will follow it and they will praise him. Because if you're oblivious to what God's doing, you wonder if he's doing anything. And that's where some of you are today. And you certainly won't praise him and he won't get any glory which is his intent verse 18 just then Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked can you please tell me where the seer's house is a seer a prophet was also called a seer because he saw visions I am the seer Samuel replied go up to the place of worship ahead of me a lot of your translations say, say the high place. We will eat there together, and in the morning I will tell you what you want to know and send you on your way. And don't worry about those donkeys that were lost three days ago, for they've been found. And I am here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all Israel's hopes. So this man who had this special insight about the donkeys then tells him, God has a plan for you. And look at Saul's reply. Here at verse 21. But I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel, and my family is the least important of all the families in that tribe, which his father was an influential man, so he's not being completely true. 
But this is how he sees himself. He sees himself as small. He sees himself as insignificant. Why are you talking to me like this? In today's vernacular, what would he have said? Why are you talking to me? Are you crazy? Now, because Samuel was this respectable man, he might not have said it like that, but that's what he was thinking. Have you lost your mind? I am no one from nowhere. Why are you talking to me like this? See, God reveals his will to us so that we will know what he's doing and we can cooperate with him. And it brings, it, it, one, it strengthens faith in us. It, 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 it strengthens our ability to trust and it brings him glory when his plan and purpose is accomplished. Most of you said that you believe God has a plan. Do you know what it is? Mike, you know what his plan for you is? Do you know God's will? If you don't know God's will for you, you don't know how to live. What is God's will for you? Ask him. He'll tell you. Because he wants to involve you. That's what James 1.5 says. If anybody's asking, lacking wisdom, ask God. He'll gladly tell you and he won't even blame you for asking. He wants you to be in on the plan. Now the cruise ship is headed for port. But you can cooperate or you can be dragged. Which one? God gets glorified when you cooperate. And you get blessed when you cooperate. He will work in you. He'll work through you to accomplish his purposes. And then you'll praise him because you know it's not me. I'm no one from nowhere. That's what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is. Acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. You know, I wanted to be a lawyer, not a preacher. I wasn't even a Christian until I was a senior in college. And right before I went to high school, there was a redistricting plan. And I was the only one that lived on the left side. Every friend of mine lived on the right side. Elementary school friends, junior high, that's what we called it in those days, junior high school friends. I went here, they went there. We met back up in college. By then, every one of them were on drugs. Two of them finished college out of 11. And one died before he was 21 years old. My very best 
friends. But God said, you're going this way. And you're going to law school. So you're not fooling with drugs. And you're going to school. And you're going to class. And you're going to study. And you're not going down this path. Now, I'm not saying, I mean, my life wasn't straight. But at least it was restrained. So I became a lawyer. And I practiced law in Columbus, Georgia. And then I, I left law practice after just a couple of years and started working on a church staff. But I, I wasn't ever going to seminary. And one day the pastor came in and he said, hey, you want to go to seminary? I said, well, I didn't plan to go to seminary. He said, well, you want to go to seminary? I said, well, I don't know. He said, think about it. You need to think about it. You're not married. You, you know, think about it. He said, if you go, church will pay your tuition. I thought about it. I'm young. I'm single. I'll go to seminary. Years later, I found out that, we, see, we had started this church, and they didn't want to pay two salaries at that point. So I actually got laid off into seminary. <laughs> oh, I, I'm so clear on God's calling. And I didn't know it till years later. And I didn't think, you know, I can't preach. I mean, I worked with this guy, and man. He was one of those bring down the thunder guys, you know. And I thought, I can't preach. I'm embarrassing. And then I go to seminary, and I look around, and I go, well, I can't preach, but these guys can't preach. <laughs> and I could make 100 bucks preaching a sermon on Sunday. And, I, you know, it, it was a way to make a little money. And then this good-looking chick at church don't y'all write me letters because I call my wife a chick. <laughs> she goes home and her parents, pastor has died. I guess he was in the way of God's will for me. <laughs> y'all do what you want with that. And so, you know, Leanne goes, look, I know a guy and he can do better than this guy y'all got. So that's my first call. That was my first church I pastored on the weekends. So I'm, I'm dialed in to God's will, aren't I? God's going to move you whether you know he's doing it or not. And God confirms his calling. When God gives a calling, a task, an assignment, he will confirm it. And depending on how dense or slow you are, it, it could be in numerous ways. Saul, you know, I mean, think about where Saul is. He says, I can't be king. I'm not qualified. You understand that, Roscoe? You're going to be the president. What would you say? You'd say, thank you. <laughs> I'd say, you've lost your mind. I want no part of it. <laughs> he knew he wasn't qualified. He was nobody from nowhere. Wrong side of the tracks, wrong tribe, wrong family. He was just like me. 
So God confirmed it in undeniable ways. Verse 22. Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall, and he placed them at the head of the table. This is a farm boy. Big farm, but a farm boy nonetheless. He was the one sent away to find the donkeys. He wasn't relied on by the father. He said, go, take as long as you want, find my donkeys. Not the most responsible assignment. Honoring them above the 30 special guests. Samuel then instructed the cook to bring Saul the finest cut of meat, the piece that had been set aside for the guest of honor. So the cook brought in the meat. Your more literal translations say the leg. He was given the leg. And it was placed before Saul. And Saul said, and Samuel said, go ahead and eat it. I mean, he's going, wait a minute. Because see, they had certain cuts of meat for certain people. And this was the piece that the priest was reserved for the priest. So it kind of implies, a, you know, that this man has a divine calling. But, and then he said, go ahead and eat it. I was saving it for you even before I invited these others. Another surprising statement. And Saul ate with Samuel that day. And he's thinking, man, I don't belong here. How did I get here? You ever felt that? And as I said, the leg was the priest portion, Exodus 29, 27. And it identified Saul as the most honored guest among probably some important people. With the, the man who was judge over the entire country. And it may have implied the sacredness of his kingship. When they came down from the place of worship and returned to town... See, they're all eating up there at the, the, what they call the high place. It, they didn't have a temple at this time, so worship occurred there. So they came back down and returned to town. Samuel took Saul up on the roof of his house and prepared a bed for him there. At daybreak the next morning, Samuel called to Saul, Get up, it's time you were on your way. So Saul got ready, and he and Samuel left the house together. And when they reached the edge of town, Samuel told Saul to send his servant on ahead. And after the servant was gone, Samuel said, Stay here. For I've received a special message for you from God. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I'm doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel. His special possession. Now this is a private anointing. It was just for Saul. And then Samuel gave Saul four very precise signs. To reassure him. In verse 2. He says at Rachel's tomb. You'll see two men. And they'll tell you that the donkeys. Have been found and your father's worried. In verse 3. He says you're going to see three men. At the oak of Tabor. And they're going to have three goats. And three loaves of bread. And one skin of wine. And they'll give you two loaves of bread. Which you should take. But again, see, this was intended for a sacrificial meal. So for Saul to be given what was supposed to be in this, used in this ritual time implies there's a God element in all of this. He's got a divine calling. The third sign is that when you arrive at Gibeah, you'll see a band of prophets playing instruments 
and prophesy. See, they're very specific signs. They're in different locations. They involve different kinds of people, and they did or said different things. Very specific. And the fourth sign, we'll read this in verse 6 of chapter 10. At that time, the Spirit of the Lord, this is when he saw these, these prophets singing and playing instruments, will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Now, God's Spirit came powerfully upon Saul to equip and empower him. And it says it changed him into a different person. But this change was to enable him to rescue God's people from the Philistines. This is a timid man. He's even a little dishonest about the family he came from because he sees himself as so insignificant. He's a head taller than everyone. He's more handsome than anyone. And inside he knows he's nothing. And God's spirit falls on him. And the spirit was sent to empower him, to enable him for this great task to lead Israel, to battle the Philistines. But it also, when it happened, it was a public event. So it told at least those people gathered, this guy's different. There's something, there's something about him. God has put something in him. And then Samuel said, then you go to Gilgal and I'll see you there in seven days. And at verse nine, as Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart which is the same in, in Hebrew as a different person. And, and, and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. Okay, he was a new person. He had a new heart. Do you think Saul was saved? Answer me. You think Saul was saved? A lot of y'all are saying no. Uh, some, some believe yes, some believe no. Saul's experience might not be permanent. In the Old Testament period, the, the Spirit of God would come to enable, provide a specific talent or an ability. But if you look at Saul's life, and we will be looking, there's some behavior that's inconsistent with faith. And then later the Spirit would depart. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't in our vernacular, saved in New Testament vernacular. But you think about it. You think about it. Because it's an issue. In verse 10. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gabeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. And when those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? You know, there's some people in our church that went to college with me. I wasn't a Christian until I was, well, it was March of my senior year. And when they heard I was a Christian, they said, what? He's a Christian? And then years later, they said, what? He's a pastor? 
Because I truly am nobody from nowhere. And the only thing to my credit is I've made a lot of mistakes. But these people were shocked that this guy, Saul, who they all knew, he's good looking, he's big, but come on, what else can you say for him? He's a prophet? You ever had anybody say that about you? That guy belongs to God? That, That woman's a Christian? When you're weak... God gets all the glory. Saul went home and he told his uncle, he said, okay, the uncle said, okay, the donkeys have been found. He said, what you been doing? Where you been? He said, he wouldn't even tell him. He didn't tell him anything about all this king mess. Why? Was he humble? I I don't think that describes it. Was he scared to death? Yeah, I think he was scared to death. God knew Saul's nature. He knew Saul needed repeated reminders, clear, tangible evidence that he was chosen as king. So so all these assurances were provided to him over and over and over and over. And they happened privately and they happened publicly. That man sure was needy, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Verse 20. And y'all read all the others, but I'm just skipping for time. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord. They are now at Gibeah. And the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot which was like a, um, an item, like a, like a dice, but a die that was marked to show God's will in something. And they'd throw it. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the Matrites was chosen. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when he looked for them, but when they looked for him, he had disappeared. You think he's filled the spirit and he can just go invisible? Where is he? All the people he's chosen from everybody and all the crowd is there. And he's the one and it keeps, he keeps narrowing the choice. And then finally, you. And he disappeared. See the lack of confidence? See the fear of accepting the role of king? God had to tell him where he was. He hid really well. And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. He's in there among the suitcases. He must have crawled in a footlocker.
So they found him and they brought him out. And again, he says this, and he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. Second time they've said that. You know, anytime they repeat something in the scripture, there's a reason. I wonder what the reason is here. Saul's bigger, more handsome than anyone else. He was an obvious choice for king. He's hiding. Who is this guy? Perhaps he is a king like the other nations. As all the outward attributes. But there's something missing. Is it really exposing the foolishness of a worldly decision based on an appearance? Verse 24. Then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. And all the people shouted, long live the king. First Samuel, and then a small group of people, and then the large group of gathered throughout the nation confirmed that Saul would be king after he read, he had so many signs. God knew Saul's nature. He knew what it would take to assure him this is your role. But do you think God knows your nature? See, Clint, you have a calling. And God will communicate his calling in whatever way you need to hear it to receive it. And however many times it has to be spoken. And he'll communicate it in ways you'll receive, in ways you'll respond to. He'll provide whatever reassurance, whatever ability, whatever enablement, whatever strength you need to accomplish his assignment. Do you believe that? Now, God speaks in a lot of ways. He speaks through the Bible, yes. He speaks through prayer when we speak to him and hear from him. You can hear from in, during lessons from teachers or messages from pastors. You can even hear from, you get comments from people. You know, back when I was in seminary and I'd go preach, you know, some of those guys said, you're not so bad. You can have impressions that can come from God. The counsel of mature Christians and even circumstances, as I've said, but also signs, many different kinds of signs and even dreams and visions. But be careful of those because all communication from God will conform to the scripture, to what he's revealed. Do you know God's calling for you? That's my question today. Are you receiving his confirmations? Are you recognizing his reassurances? Are you realizing that the spirit is within you, empowering, enabling you? 
You know, like I said, I never heard God speak in those days. He just moved me. And he'll move through lots of things. A breakup, a relocation, a firing, a transfer. He'll work through all those things. He will speak if you listen and you want to hear. But one of the first things I ever heard him speak, other than when I was saved initially, was we, when we went to Texas. We went up over this hill. And God said, you're coming here. Leanne didn't hear it. But at that moment, but she heard it later. And I went to Texas and I took a job I did not want as an education guy that I wasn't trained for. And I told Fenton no three, at least three times. And God forced us into a place where I got close to a man who truly loved people. I love theology. I love reading and studying. He loved people and cared about their souls. And I learned skills. And I had experience that I would need to then be, for Leanne and me and the two little girls by then, to be brought to Malden, South Carolina, four years later. God had his hand on me, but I didn't know it. And I was no one from nowhere and still am today, except I serve a great God who's chosen me for a task. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. Now I want you to say to both the people on each side of you, you are God's masterpiece. And now I want you to say, I am God's masterpiece. But he didn't make you a masterpiece for you to spend time looking affectionately into the mirror. He made you into a masterpiece perfectly suited for the assignment you've been given. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. If you're willing, he will accomplish things through you that you would have never thought possible. Counselors, come to the front. If you want to pray with someone about your calling, about what the Spirit's doing you, what you're being shown, if you want to be anointed with oil for God's purpose or for healing. The counselors will be here. You come on up, counselors. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to walk in it, that our lives may be used to fulfill your plan and your purpose. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. If you have any questions about this message or you would like to request prayer, we encourage you to visit our website at brookwoodchurch.org forward slash get help. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.